So after that incredible worship set where we were talking about holiness, I'm going to talk about money. I guess holiness, Robert, is separateness, right? And we want to separate, never mind. So we've been in a series uh, that we have called Entrusted. Uh, Guys, the screen back there is not lit up. Uh, We've been in a series called Entrusted, and in that series we have talked about what it is to entrust God with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Still with me? And the first week we talked about how our vocation, our calling, needs to spill over to our occupation, how we make a living, so that we are first and foremost followers of Christ who happen to be brain surgeons or rocket scientists or laborers or teachers or accountants or pastors. So we are, we are first a follower of Christ. Our vocation, the word vocation comes from the Latin word voca, calling. We are called to be followers of Christ, and and then we get to make a living. And along the way, we get to tell other people about our vocation. The second week, we talked about talents. And it was an amazing week where we talked about our mission partners up here on this stage. Jesse from Sustainable Liberia and Brian from a place in Asia were telling us about the the way they felt particularly called for their gifts being used for what God had called them to do. And I I don't know about you, but uh, I was sitting there watching them on stage And the same could be said for the the six remarkable uh, testimonies that we heard last Sunday night. My, my, My overwhelming sense was, pardon the cynicism, there are some times when a preacher is up here when all of you are going, if he couldn't preach, he wouldn't eat. Because that's really all he does well. As I watched Jesse and Brian and all of the people in the pitch, I went, they could do anything they wanted to do. They could be anything they wanted to be. They would probably be prosperous, successful in the world's eyes had they chosen a different path, had they, had they chosen to say no to what God was calling them, Voca, to do and express it in their occupation, that which occupies their time. So we talked about time And we talked about talents. And by the way, if any of you are looking for a way to use your talents, I I picked up a flyer on my way in. Sheila Zamora is back there. We do a free dental clinic for those who are on the eastern side of Dunwoody on the Peachtree Industrial Corridor over there, we partner with some other ministries to do a free dental clinic, but it needs 60 of us to be volunteers. So if you know how to drill teeth, no, I'm just kidding. We, we just need people to greet and people to help direct traffic. 
See Sheila out there at the table that's in the lobby if that looks like it's a way you can use your talents. So what I want to do is a little backwards today. Normally I sort of bring up a, a thought and, and, I, and I tell you why I'm thinking about that thought and then I point you to a passage of Scripture and sort of parse out that Scripture a little bit at a time. Today I would like to read for you a whole chunk of Scripture with just a couple of comments as to why this particular Scripture is important. And then I want to back into some explanation that talk a little bit about how we view money around here at DBC and why maybe you would help us with your generosity. Now, let me start off with Psalm 51. One of the most famous psalms in the Bible, not because it talks about money, but because its author, King David, had done something horrible. He had committed adultery. It was a, he, 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 was, he was feeling very disconnected with God. And in his prayer of repentance, he talked to God about the things he had done, and then he came up on, on this statement a little late in the game. Over in verse 16 of Psalm 51, he says, God, you don't delight in sacrifice, or I'd give it. You won't be pleased with burnt offerings. That's the way they gave back in the day. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, Lord, you won't despise. So even David understood the connection between holiness, the, the songs that we have been singing, and, 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 and the way that we give. Julie's going to sing a song after, after I'm done that, 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 that's the heart song. And, and throughout this, don't, don't hear me talking about money even as you hear me talking about money. Hear me talking about the connection between your wallet and your heart. So the story I want to read to you is from the Old Testament. It's from a, a book in the Bible called Deuteronomy. It's probably easier to find on your phone than on your Bible, but if you've got a printed Bible, that's a, a, a great thing to, to go to. In this particular scripture, there's a, a, a little bit of a backstory that you kind of need. Moses, who wrote it, is nearing the end of his life. If you're a history geek, this is 14-something hundred B.C. So 1,400 years before Christ, Moses is, is sort of on his last lap around life. Some of you can relate. And, and he's saying, you know, there's some stuff that I've said before that I think I need to say again because I'm not sure they were listening. Parents, got it? And so the word Deuteronomy means second telling. There's nothing new happening here. All of this has happened in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. But in Deuteronomy, he's at the end of his life, and he's saying, let me remind you, of guys, uh, you guys of some stuff that's really, really important. And so he recaps some things that have happened, and now he wants to tell it again. So in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy... He's, last lap, 
Mount Nebo in Jordan. He's, he can see uh, Israel, the promised land. He's not going to go there because God has, is disciplining him. So this is what he said. Verse 1. The whole commandment that I command you today, and I've got some of the scripture up here, not all of it. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do. Be, be careful to do that. So that you may live and multiply and go in and possess land. So, so they have not yet come into prosperity, but they're going to. He's promised them they're going to. So, so they're still kind of wandering through the wilderness trying to figure it all out. They have not yet become prosperous, but they're going to. He says, so you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, listen to the list. In that time, and some of you can relate to this, on your way to whatever financial status you're in right now, it is, it is hard, uh, uh, highly likely that these things will have happened to you. He says, I led you through the wilderness that I might humble you, test you, teach you, and discipline you. That's, that's a sort of a summary. He said, you've been tested. You've been humbled. You've been disciplined. You've been taught. Verse 3, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. You didn't know about that. Your fathers didn't know anything about that. But to let you know that you don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. So he talks to them about that a little while, and then he says, here's the stuff that's coming up. You shall keep the commandments of the Lord, verse 6. Verse 7, for the Lord is bringing you into a good land. Listen to this. Brooks of water, valleys, hills, springs, wheat, barley, vines, fig trees, pomegranates, olive trees, honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity. You will lack nothing. A land whose stones are iron, pre-iron age, and the, the, the stones were so hard you could use them as tools. You shall eat and be full. You, you will even find copper in the hills. And by the way, geology geeks, that, that actually was true. Southern part of Israel was full of very, very rich copper deposits. This was way before they knew about that. So you shall eat and be full. You shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Verse 11, take care lest you forget. Now, I, I'm going to stop there. I'll, I'll come back to that. But that's, that's really what I, I want you to hear. Be careful that you don't forget where you came from. Now, teenagers sitting here going, we don't have any money. What are you talking about money? We don't have any money. Some adults are going, I owe more than I make. I'm upside down in everything. Well, there's some principles here that I think will help us all. And I'm, I, I'm just going to ask you to trust me when I say that while we don't give in order for God to bless us, it just seems like that when we give, He does. So stay with me. So when you've eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord for the good land He's given you. Be careful that you do not forget. Verse 18, 18, remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So I'm going to come back there. 
the Lord brings us into this land. I told you I was going to talk about money. And here's what I want you to kind of take away. One of the hardest truths to grasp is that when we give to God, it's not a fee. It's not an assessment. It's not an invoice. Okay, got to pay God, so he'll let me breathe. It's not that. It's, it, it is a, a response. Okay, it's, a, it's, a, it's an overflow kind of thing. But, but money is a thing. Okay. Quotes. Too many people spend money they earn to buy things they don't want to oppress people they don't like. Fair. Money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. One of my favorites, Eleanor Roosevelt. He who loses money loses much. He who loses a friend loses much more. He who loses faith loses all. Thomas Edison. Opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Fair enough. P.T. Barnum. The real measure of your wealth is how much you'd be worth if you lost all your money. So he said, hey, keep these things in mind. This is a really big deal. Would it surprise you to know that in the Bible, there's about 2,500 verses that talk about money? You want, okay, that's not that many. There's lots of verses in the Bible, 2,500. Well, that's a lot, but it's not like forever. Would it surprise you that 16% of all of the words that Jesus said were about money? 16 out of every 100 words about money. 8 out of every 50 words about money. More than half of his parables were about money. And he talked about money more than he talked about heaven, hell, or prayer. The only thing he talked more about was the kingdom of God. So maybe there is a connection between our hearts and our wallets. Maybe there's a connection between what we love and what we give. Maybe there's a connection between our heart and our treasures. As a matter of fact, the Scripture describes that connection. Where your heart is, is where your treasure is. And where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. That's how your occupation can follow your vocation. That's how your treasure can get in line with your time and your talent. So, kind of working through this. The scripture goes on to say, hey, when you get into that land, you'll eat and be satisfied. This church is an incredibly generous church, but it has not always been that way. It's not that the church has not always been generous, it's that the church has not always had a, a, a time of abundance. You accounting people will understand what I'm about to say, but back when I was the youth pastor here in the late 80s, our fiscal year, our, our accounting year, went from January 1st to December 31st. And that's kind of wonky because a lot of you uh, get bonuses in December and you have good months in December, and a lot of you respond and give money to the church in, in December, but we didn't know for sure whether that money was coming. So long about September, October, this time of year, the business administrator knock on my door, youth pastor, 
we're not doing really well with our offerings. It looks like we're going to finish the year with about 80% of what we've budgeted. So I need you to start trimming back. I need you to, to, to plan on spending 80% of your budget, not all of it. And so whatever I had going on in the fall, a retreat, a worker's appreciation banquet, a Christmas thing for students, those things had to be trimmed back because the austerity measures were starting to be put into place. And then in December, when all y'all got bonuses, you'd give to the church. We'd have more than budget. Hey, yay, we finished over budget. But I can't unring the bell. I can't reschedule the fall retreat that's already passed. That's, that was what we knew. I've never known such austerity as a senior pastor. The seven years that I've been back, your generosity is stunning to me. We have finished every single year well over budget. We did move the fiscal year, by the way. Now our fiscal year runs from October 1 till September 30th because I want December in the first quarter. <laughs> I want to know where you stand. That happened long before I got here, but, but you get the idea. It, it, it's sort of a guessing game and a faith game. We call it faith and feasibility is sort of our motto. We, we want to challenge, we want to push, but we don't always know if that's possible. This year, like many of years, we'll finish ahead of our budget. We close out the, the books in a couple of weeks, and it's, it's looking like we're going to finish about $180,000 to $200,000 over our budget like we have before. You are a generous church. You funded Project Main Street. You funded new staff positions. You funded our ability to fix all of the 91 air conditioners that are on the roof of this place. You funded the missions team to be able to do everything you saw last week to the tune of just south of a million dollars that our missions team gave away this past year. So you have been a very generous church, but it's, it's fair to sort of peel back the curtain and let you know kind of how we operate underneath. I told you our, 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 our operating principle financially is faith and feasibility. We want to push our budget. We want to push out there because if we spend more, that means we're doing more. If we're doing more, that means the gospel is being told more. If the gospel is being told more, we are true to our core mission. Love God, love people, make disciples, make a difference. We don't spend more than we take in. At the end of the year, if we have to do austerity, we will. Because we're not going to put the church in debt. We're not going to spend more than we make. We take very seriously this business of finance. Whenever we invest in leaders, whenever we recruit leaders for our leadership team, our personnel team, our finance team, our missions team, deacons, we, we expect that they are givers. We kind of have a twofold test, involve and invest. If a person's to be on the leadership team, are they involved in the things going on? Do they participate in Bible study? Are they, they plugged into men's ministry, women's ministry, student ministry, children's ministry, deacon ministry, Naomi ministry, disaster relief ministry, missions? Are they plugged in with an involve standard? And do they invest? 
Anybody who's on leadership team, finance team, personnel team, deacons, they are regular givers to the church. That's just, I, I don't know how much I ask David, our administrator, for a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And if it's a thumbs up, the name goes forward. That's the way we work. We, we take very seriously the resources that God has given us. And you guys need to know that we respect the fact that you give. Okay, you can wake up again. DBC is an incredibly generous church. And here, there is an assumption in Moses' language that that generosity of all of the things that they've been given, all the, the stuff that's listed between verses 7 and verse 10, that that will be reflected back. He says in verse 11, take care lest you forget. When you've eaten and been satisfied, your good land that he has given you be careful you don't forget. And our relationship is at the core of this. I heard a sermon that was preached by another pastor, and he said, yeah, we're, we've already got the money for our new building program. We've already got it in full. He said, it's still in your pockets, but we've already got it. <laughs> and that's the deal, the relationship between our hearts and our wallet, our heart, and our purse. What are our priorities? That, that, that's, be careful that we don't forget. I know as a dad, I, you know, I'm dad, right? Dad values, dad bod, the whole works. And, and I would love my kids to be just a little bit grateful, right? I'd love for my kids to at least acknowledge that I, I helped them out a little bit. They graduated from college, and, and, and little thanks wouldn't hurt anybody. I can only imagine God. Alan, I gave you everything. I gave you the ability with your hands, the ability with your minds. I gave you the place to be, the opportunities I, I, I gave you, I gave you, I gave you, I gave you for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Alan, it's not even about the stuff on the earth. I gave you heaven. And Moses, old man, old man values, old man bod, up on Mount Nebo, probably can't hear, probably can't see. He's trying to say to a generation that's following him, please don't lose sight of this. Church, don't lose sight of this. I appreciate it that you give. I really, really do. It's awesome that you reflect what he said here. You don't forget the Lord. You observe His commands, His laws, His decree. When you've eaten and been satisfied, that's us. You build fine houses. Your herds, flocks grow large. Then your heart will become proud. Wait a minute. Is pride always associated with prosperity? Does absolute power always corrupt absolutely? Is money always associated with pride and arrogance and power abuse? Is, does that have to go together? Well, you and I know enough instances where people who are wealthy have, are, are, are generous and, and, and open-hearted, and it, it's, it's, it's possible. 
But it's not possible if we lose sight of the connection between the heart and the wallet. It's, it's just not possible. The, the inevitable is that your heart will become proud. Verse 14, you will forget the Lord. You will forget all that He's done for you. Because all of a sudden you start believing in you. And I don't know about you, but God helps me all the time to remember that He's God and I'm not. Does it a lot of different ways. But a lot of times the takeover at the end of the day is I'm God, Alan, and you're not. Okay, Lord, thanks for that. You remember what he did at the, the first part of this? He humbled them. He tested them. He taught them. He disciplined. Usually when those things fall in the line, it's God saying to me, Alan, I'm God, and you're not. He says, lest you forget. You say to yourself, my power, the strengths of my hands have produced this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. I love the way that's said. It doesn't say he will give you wealth. There's, there's, there's hard work that's built in. That's, that's one of my takeaways of this whole sermon series. There's hard work that's built in, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So a lot of times, if you've been hanging around the church for a long time, whenever preachers talk about money, they use the word tithe. And the irony of this is that it never tells us to tithe in the Bible. Now, there's a, a verse in Malachi that says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And if we think that's a command, we've probably misunderstood it. The word tithe literally means tenth. So, so the assumption, it comes all the way back from a story in Abraham's life in the Old Testament where he, he won a battle and the spoils of that battle, he brought 10% of that to Jerusalem to, to dedicate to God. So that's where it comes from. But the Bible doesn't say, here's the standard. Do you know why we have that in the Bible? Because we need the standard. Because we're humans. And we're, we're, we, we can't get our minds around Psalm 51. God doesn't need our money. God doesn't need our time, our talent, our treasure. God doesn't need any of that. The sacrifices that He would rather have are broken hearts. But you and I go, well, wait a minute. Out of that response, out of the gratitude of our Heavenly Father giving us everything, I, I would like to give something back. So how much, you know? What's, what's the fee? What's the bill? What's the invoice here? Are we talking 18%, 20% if they serve us really well at the restaurant? What are we talking about? And God said, well, let me give you a suggestion. Think in terms of 10%. Now, 10% of your money, all you're thinking about your tax return, and you're going, well, 10%, okay, it'd be that money. Well, what about 10% of your time? There's 168 hours in every week. Maybe you're thinking in terms of 16.8 of them going to God. Hmm, that's harder than money. What about 16.8% of your, uh, I mean, 10% of your children? Gladly, here, God. <laughs> Done all I can, you take them. What about 10% of, of every, that's what he's getting at. He's not saying, here's your, here's your fee, here's your assessment. He's trying to say, if you humans need a guideline, 
Here's a good response. Well, what he's really getting at, I, I, 10% of your money, I, I don't need any of your money. It's a good guideline. But what I need is 100% of your heart. What I need is 100% of your devotion. What I need is your vocation before we ever talk about an occupation. I had some takeaways from this whole series, and I just reproduced those. This is a, a list that I, I found online, and I edited it a little bit. Number one, we are simply stewards of what God has given us. That's the perspective we've got to grab onto. I'm sorry you've got to endure a, a sermon about money, but don't let it be about money. Let it be about your heart. We're just managers, but money does reveal our hearts. Matthew 6, he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. And my mantra is the treasure is connected to the heart, and the heart is connected to the treasure. There you go. It's not wrong to earn money. It's not wrong to work hard. He says, I've given you the ability to create wealth. And some people have more than others. We're parable of the talents. We're responsible for what we do have, not for what we don't have. And we're called to give generously. It's a, it's a response. You know, when my wife has a birthday, I, I, I struggle to figure out a gift. Not because I can't think of a gift to give, but because I want to see delight when she receives it. And that's the image. God, God delights when he receives it. He doesn't need anything from us. But when he sees us responding to the abundant love that he has, but God demonstrates his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And when, when he sees us responding in that, that generosity, responding with our hearts connected to his heart, responding with our priorities, responding with our willingness to talk about this, when our vocation crosses over into our occupation, when our time, our talent, and our treasure sort of all sort of come together and just reveal our hearts, then we have delighted Heavenly Father. We have a, a Heavenly Father who receives that gift. And any of us that have ever given a gift to somebody to see the delight in their eyes, not because of the value of the gift, not because of the enormity of the gift, not because of the lack of whatever in the gift, that, that homemade thing with popsicle sticks. My mom died last May, 88 years old. In her stuff, we found a poem that I wrote her when I was like eight. Really? She kept a poem for 80 years? <laughs> wow. Whatever. The math is off on that, isn't it, Judy? <laughs> I guess she kept a poem for how old I am, and I was born in 19, none of your business. When we give, it's treasured. When we give, it's valued. When we give, God delights. Don't miss the connection between the heart and the treasure. Pray with me. Gracious Lord, we love you. We thank you that our 
resources are yours. We are worshiping in a wonderful space. You gave it. We have Bibles on our phones and in print. You gave it. We have the ability to communicate with a computer that we hold in our pockets. You gave it. God, you told us through Moses that when we reach a place of comfort, that it's too easy for that comfort to become complacency. When we reach a place where we, we aren't fearing every day for what we'll eat the next day, we are reminded to pray for those who still do and to invest in your ministry. God, to send a team to Liberia to help them irrigate a field for the village so that they could eat. God, thank you that we're blessed enough to do that. God, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, then none of this sermon made any sense to them. It wouldn't make any sense to give to you if they don't know you. It wouldn't make any sense to me to give to somebody I don't know unless there is some compelling thing that inspires that there is a cause, a, a relationship, a love that is so great, we can't help but give. Watch over us, Lord. Honor the things that we do in this church. Give us wisdom and discernment so that the gifts are multiplied. Father, in Ephesians, Paul wrote, it is by grace you are saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It's a free gift of God, lest anyone should boast. For you, we are your workmanship. We are created in Christ to do good works. We pray that we would honor that mission as we love you, as we love people, as we make disciples. Lord, only through you can we make a difference. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.